This is AV Week, October 7th, 2011. Julie in her pajamas. Ready. AV, AV Week. Performing scan. Week. Online. This is AV Week. It's time again for AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of AV news and commentary. I'm your host, Tim Albright. With us today is Julie Jacobson. Julie is the co-founder of VH Publishing, as well as one of the editors at CE Pro. Good afternoon, Julie. Hello. And also with her is uh, Craig McCormick. Craig is a senior writer with Commercial Integrator. Hello, Craig. Hey, Tim. How's it going? It is going well. Uh, this week, guys, a bit of sad news. Uh, I, I know it's more tech than than AV, but we're still going to kind of go into it. Uh, Steve Jobs, the the one of the founders of Apple, a very public face of Apple, uh, lost his battle, his very long battle with cancer. Uh, I see Steve as a a force in the AV industry only because uh, he kind of gave us an inroads uh, in the '60s and '70s when he started messing around with computers. You didn't have a whole lot of technology in the home. And so I think that it's important at least to, to step back for a second, acknowledge the passing of a, of a great technologist. Julie, you, you, you've got some thoughts on, on Steve, not only as a technologist, but also as, as the face of Apple. Uh, well, I do. And uh, my condolences to uh, his family and, and, and the community. And uh, you had said briefly, well, he's not really an AV guy. Well, to us, he really is an AV guy. And he really, um, we asked, we've been asking for the past month um, to our community, the integrator community, who has been the most disruptive force in home systems uh, integration, audio video, whole house communications, uh, and control, and I mean, I, I challenge anyone to, uh, you know, put any <laughs> to to beat Steve Jobs in that in that force. Yeah. His uh, with the iPad and with uh, you know the a- Apple TV, which is not completely well baked yet, but he has been a, com- a, a huge disruptive factor in in our industry. Well, absolutely, he has because I mean, without without him, we don't have uh, a lot of what of the technology that that we have. And, and you mentioned mentioned control, the iPad and the iPhone. Even is one of the least expensive and sexiest uh, control uh, interfaces that we have. Uh, before those came out, you had to spend several thousands of dollars if you wanted a wireless control in your control system, whether that was in your house or in your in your office building. You did, but I, I think even um, psychologically, I mean, there's a there's a much bigger factor, and he really perfected the it's okay, it's good enough factor, um, whereas our industry has always touted the it must be perfect <laughs> factor. And, now, and, some people and, would, and, may, may take issue with that. <laughs> Well, and a, a lot of companies, uh, we've lost a lot of businesses because um, integrators, professional programmers have uh, thought that they had to be perfect. And he perfected the, well, it's it's okay to be good enough and to have just the right amount of um, capabilities without um, having to go overboard, and it, and that's what has been disruptive to our industry. Craig, how do you see? Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to mention that that a couple couple months ago, I, I'd written a story uh, that, that was based off a, a a columnist piece that that mentioned that the the iPad was the uh, the, the winner in the uh, commercial automation industry, and I I talked to folks from Crestron and AMX. And from Savant, and they they all essentially agreed with that. That you know, if, if you wanted to have a, an automation system, that that the iPad was was kind of at the center of it. So I think that's kind of interesting that that even you know competitors will will agree that that you know, the, the things that Steve Jobs thought about were uh, were pretty pretty damn good. So. Well, and and you look at his at his impact on on the AV industry. The, the the last two shows that the industry has had, both Cedia and and Infocom, you had products out there. 
built around the form factor of two of his products. Uh, what is primarily a phone and, and a tablet, you had mounts, you had um, interfaces that mimicked and, and copied the, the interface of, of the iPhone and, and the iPad. One of the, uh, one of the touch panels that was being shown at, at Infocom, the person who put together and made the graphical interface was an exact copy of, of an iPad. It even had the home button at the bottom, and, and it had the big, the big giant, not giant, but the but big good size uh, icons on, on the page, and it, and it flowed just like an iPad did. Well, and and again, I see, you know, for our purposes, and you know, for anything except for, I guess, you know. <laughs> I don't know what the iPad is really, really good at, but it does a lot of things pretty darn well. And what, if you see people mimicking this, it's because back in the day where you had to have a whole bunch of processing power and a lot of elegance in our industry for controlling boardrooms or homes or any of that, um, it was it was very expensive and took a lot of processing power. Whereas, you know, today with the iPad and 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 people copying that, even people that are, you know, the Crestrons and the AMXs and the and the people that are known for control, um, are saying, you know, it's good enough. Let's give people the ability to. Um, you know, communicate or watch uh, TV or do other or, or control their motorized shades good enough without perfection. Powering up quickly um, and and uh, powering down elegantly, and I think that's that's been the beauty and that's the legacy, and and I, it, it will forever change the way we do control for sure. Absolutely, absolutely will. All right, um, Craig, you wrote a, a piece for Commercial Integrator. Again, you're, you're a senior writer for them. About the $180 billion opportunity as businesses shift to the cloud, not to, not to, not to harp on, on Apple too much. Uh, but they released a, a product this week, uh, shortly before uh, Mr. Jobs passed away, uh, it, it, touting their cloud. Um, Amazon uh, released last week the Fire, touting their cloud. You're saying that the business, uh, the AV industry, has an opportunity, a $180 billion opportunity, to capitalize on this move to the cloud. How so? Yeah, um, this was based largely on a, uh, a CompTIA report that, that came out. That, that they're the ones that, that had those findings. I, I didn't specifically say that myself, but uh, that was based on based on their report. And um, it, it just... I think there are still enough people that are, are nervous about moving to the cloud that that um, these um, that, that CompTIA believes that, that integrators can can kind of help them move move that way and you know feel confident that, that being in the cloud is something that, that they don't have to be nervous about they don't have to be scared about it it's you know just as uh, just as safe or unsafe um, the, the one from CompTIA told me as you know having just your own in, internal network, so it's it's not any any worse or, or better necessarily. So, uh, I I think there is there is a lot of opportunity there, and it, it sounds like uh, it's, it's going to grow pretty quickly in the next uh, several years. Now, is this something that we're going to have to convince businesses of, or do you think it's something where they're already going down this path anyway? Uh, I think there it, there is going to be some convincing that's necessary, but um, the the suggestion in the story is that you don't have to move everything everything to the cloud right away, and you know that's just not for for everybody. And some some businesses are never going to be convinced that that they should move everything there, and that's that's fine. It but it it, it it's just um, it, it it makes sense to at least uh, give, give it a shot and see you know kind of. What it's all about and how, how it works, and in addition to that, it saves on having your own uh, internal IT staff. So, Julie? I think uh, I'm oh, sorry. No, um, I, I think there's um, a lot of confusion around the <clears throat> cloud, and um, for business processes as well as 
you know, other opportunities, for example, cloud-based home control. And, um, yeah, I, th I think a lot of our industry is weary because they hear the cloud and they think, um, you know, it's unsafe or it's, uh, you know, I, 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 spotty you know, or, you know, what happens uh, if I lose my Internet connection? Yeah. Exactly. But then yet they all use Salesforce.com or other cloud-based uh, operations software. And I, and I think when, once they look at, well, what are they using for their own uh, uh, in, uh, internal processes that, that they think, oh, yeah, that can have greater implications for what we're doing for our clients. Yeah, I, I think maybe they don't always realize that they are using it already. And, and exactly. That the fact that they're using it and nothing's happening to them should should kind of be evidence enough that, that it is okay. But it it I think it still makes sense to at least you know maybe dip your toe into a little bit if you're if you're a little bit scared. But it, it sounds like uh, there's there's obviously quite a bit of opportunity with a hundred and eighty billion dollar projection. Well, yeah, and you can also start moving this in, into people's houses. I mean, the, there are a number of people that I know. I mean, I've got a, a small server um, under by, by small, I mean under a terabyte. But there are friends of mine that have several terabytes because they've got movies and they have their their uh, music and pictures and things of, the, of that nature uh, worth of storage physically in their house. So this is something that, unless I'm wrong, and you guys can correct me, you can start moving this into the residential area where you say, you know what. You've already got Netflix, which is a cloud-based service. You've got Pandora or Spotify, which is a cloud-based service. Why wouldn't they move their storage then, just like businesses, to the cloud? And this is this $180 billion may actually be more. Well, um, boy, you, you don't want to get me started. I've got, yes, a, whole, I uh, <laughs> no, I got a whole presentation on, on cloud-based stuff. Uh, coming up at the uh, C Pro Live uh, later this month, but um, yeah, I mean, obviously the answer is to duplicate. I mean, you want to have all your content local and in the cloud and on a NAS and <laughs> everywhere, so you don't lose it. Um, but it it becomes interesting when then you can s synchronize that content, so you can watch it. Um, while you're at a hotel or your lake house, cause, which we all have. Um, um, so then you start seeing the possibilities of shared and synchronized content. And when you look at a professional, uh, a professional integration and you look at how programming is done in the house for home control and for audio-video management, um, when you start putting that programming capability in the cloud, then you see where all the, the, the technicians within a company can be synchronized. So one of the big problems currently is that I, I might be the guy assigned to the Smith house and I go to program something and then my colleague might want to go tweak something in the system yet we're on different computers and different systems and on different software and different builds and we're not all synchronized and so that's when it becomes uh, really interesting to be able to use the cloud uh, within you know, a, a company that is trying to service its its clients, both residential and commercial, and to be able to make sure every technician in the company is on the same page. And I think that's the most exciting thing about cloud-based services. So you're leaning more towards the business end than you would the the guy down the block putting all of his stuff in the cloud. Oh no, both. Both. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm uh, I'm just trying to uh, to also give the business side of it, but yes, also uh, in in the cloud. And shoot, I just forgot the name of the company where um, uh, I almost subscribed, but then I forgot, and it's like sixty bucks, period, for online backup of Carbonite? you know. Yeah. Is yes. Yeah, I I, I I don't subscribe to them, but I do like the the, the concept of it quite a bit. So. 
of everything. I guess the small print is that for any file over four megs, you have to. Um, it can't be done automatically. You have to manually do it. But, um, but uh, no. I mean, uh, for for backup, clearly there's a lot of great cloud-based services. But that's not terribly interesting. But you're saying um, you're saying do both. So so trust but verify. Well, trust but verify. But I mean, but that's just not. Uh, that's not terribly interesting i mean um yeah backup stuff but what look at the possibilities of what can happen when you have stuff in the cloud whether it's your documents your photos your movies um your your music you get to a point then where you can um, aggregate and and sort all of this stuff and share it and so it's not just a matter of um, backing it up or having some kind of repository, but you can you can do so much more with it. And then, um, you know, when w- once you get to a good integrated uh, world uh, search engine like uh, Crest John thinks it can patent, they just filed a patent application for uh, universal search. Um, then the possibilities become endless where you can go and search for Shrek and it could be um, your your nephew in a play about Shrek or it could be, um, you know, prioritized based on uh, uh, the movie I have on my own hard drive versus what's available on Netflix or Amazon or any of that. So the, those are the possibilities. All right, step back for a second because you said something interesting. Creston filed a patent for universal search. They did. Um, uh, so they started implementing. This has been a big problem with all the content. This has been a big problem in the past few years where, um, y- you know, if you want to do a search for, um, again, I'll, I'll talk about Shrek. You know, ideally, what you would want to do is type in into a an engine Shrek, and the first thing that you want to see would be a, a movie ripped to a local uh, hard drive. Yeah. So that's free, and it's high def. So the secondary then might be something that you could uh, rent for two bucks or you know purchase or whatever and so um, that's what Crestron um, implemented you know first or not or if it's patentable who knows but um, the concept is that uh, a search engine would be able to uh, prioritize prioritize based on cost and quality of service Hmm. and also location I'm assuming well, that the well that where the media uh, physically is located it's not in addition quality of service and and cost. So if it's if it's local, then it's it's there and it's free and it's high def. Um, so, but it, then again, when if we're talking about the cloud, I mean, you can see where you know the universal search functionality becomes so important. Well, let me ask you guys a, a kind of a broader question. It may not be a, a conversation for, for this this format. Are we going to get to a point where all of these different Internet providers are going to start hitting us all with different charges? I know that I, I live in St. Louis. We have two or three different uh, high-speed service providers. One is Charter. That, that's who I have. They don't have really a cap. But I know on both coasts, people who have Comcast, they do have caps. Is this the both the storage in the cloud and the control in the cloud and the streaming in the cloud? Is this gonna are we gonna get to a point where we are not able to use these services because of these caps? Well, I'll um, I'll go ahead and, and chime in. Um, and it's you know what it's gonna change all the time, and the this is why the, the we, services. The services are going to change all the time. This is why we recommend working with a professional systems integrator um, because uh, you don't know and the systems change. And, I, and, and my guess is that most people that are using, that are streaming Netflix and other services like this don't really realize what they're doing. 
and I can send you a link to my mother, <laughs> who not non-technical and who has no idea that I film her doing these things, but I do. Um, that most people don't know that they're using bandwidth and that they may be charged for it, yeah. and um, that. You know, that they're streaming something from the Internet versus something at home. Um, and so, I, you know, and I, and I think this is for, for the, the people that are listening that are in this business. This is where the opportunity comes, where the professional integrator is the one that says, look, I'm in touch with, with all the uh, service providers in your neighborhood. And Comcast, for example, in my case, they have just announced that, in, you know, in two months, they're going to be um, shifting their charges to this, that, and the other. And so I recommend that you, um, you know, upgrade to this service or drop this service or start using Redbox and drop Netflix. Um, and it's it's going to be tricky and it's it's it it's not going to change anytime soon. It's it's. Um, it's it would be nice to have someone that you can rely on locally that can advise you on um, on on your streaming services because it, it, it's not going to get any easier or cheaper. All right, Craig, I'm going to ask probably a silly question, and I don't mean any disrespect to any integrator out there. All we're talking about is a freaking movie. Should it be this hard? Doesn't seem that way, does it? No. No. Yeah, I don't. I, I, I don't know what the the complication is, or, or what the you know why why people are so so concerned about it that that sort of thing. It, it, you know, it, like we we we've discussed already. I think people are already you know people are already using the cloud. And they don't they don't really even realize it. So I I, mm -hmm. I think you know it's 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 a real real good opportunity for for integrators to you know, to, to step in. And, Show show people the way and show people that you know that there's nothing to be afraid of. So no, there's not, and that's the thing is that you're, you're right. You both of you are right. It's a good opportunity for integrators to to kind of come in and be the be the hero. Uh, this next week we are recording on the seventh of October. Uh, next week, Infocom is having another um, get together, <laughs> as it were. In the Mideast, uh, which I think is kind of cool. You know, they're doing it at Dubai. I'd love to go. Anybody from Infocom wants to invite me? You know, whatever. <laughs> I've been there. Have you? Yeah, I have. Uh, CEA nice? had a had an event. It's weird. It's weird. It's just it's just weird. I just want to go to the islands. Can... You know, the pretty little man-made islands. So. Yeah, it's just a weird place. Well, here's here's the question to both of you. About a month ago. Not even a month ago yet. Yeah, uh, Cedia had had their their expo in Indianapolis two to three months ago. Infocom was in Orlando. Next week is is uh, the Infocom Mid East. In about a month, Infocom is going to have GovCom in DC. Are we kind of spreading ourselves out too thin here? And I'm probably going to ask a blasphemous question. Can't we just like take Cedia, take Infocom, and you know what? What the heck? Since, since people are going to yell at me, let's take NAB and throw everybody together and have one big party in Vegas once a year. Or am I? Yeah, nuts? I, I think that's no, that's that's an interesting idea. I'm not not sure all these organizations would go for it because then who who makes the money off it, right? That's that probably is kind of what what it comes down to. It's, I'll tell you, you know, who these, doesn't. These I'll tell you who doesn't spend the money, and that's the integrators, and that's people like you guys and, yeah. and me, and, and stuff like that. Who you know, not that I don't mind business travel, I like it, and you know, I like seeing different places. But come on, how many booths does does Extron or Crestron or AMX have to put up in a year? Yeah, no, I think I think you're right about that, and I think it's probably going to take you know a couple of years of you know lackluster or low attendance for uh, for. You know these organizations to realize that that maybe there shouldn't be so many shows, and maybe they should do exactly what you said and have one big party in Vegas, which <laughs> I'd be all for that. Julie, yeah, it's tough. Well, um, I mean, we're uh, frankly we're in the trade show business. We uh, actually never planned to get into it, but we're kind of forced into it. 
because some competitors were doing it, and so we had to do it. Um, uh, and they, they, they all have their they all have their spots, and um, I, I like the niche shows. I mean, uh, it, it, you know, if there's going to be a, a, a government centric Infocom. Um, then that can be uh, pretty important. So it, it, it just depends how well they're done. But, um, you know, the, the exhibitors, they tell the story. If they continue to show up, then the show survives. If they don't, they don't. And, um, you know, there's certain... This year, this, this year, Infocom had, had an up year. But for a few years, they had some down ones. This year, Cedia was down. Um, not incredibly, but they were under 20,000 uh, attendees. Uh, you take that and you throw that on top of Infocom's thirty thousand ish attendees. You've got not even you know that, that's fifty thousand people in Vegas for one one trade show, which is not a huge thing for Vegas. You know, they can they can hand, handle it. And I was going to be kind of being facetious with NAB, but but those two at least you know we're talking about both of them are the AV industry. Uh, whether they want to admit the other one is or not is, is irrelevant. They both deal in the AV industry, and you can tell that by the exhibitors. You have the same people in both places, I guess is what I'm going at. Well, uh, you have different divisions. I mean, uh, Infocom and Cedia and NAB are are uh, completely different events. I mean, uh, Cedia is 99.9% uh, residential. Mm -hmm. Infocom is commercial. NAB is more, you know, industry. It would be something that I would go do to write some great news stories. Yeah. I mean, that's where the cable guys go. Um, so there's there's definitely places for all of them, and to be honest, I don't see a whole lot of uh, of overlap. Um, Infocom and Cedia have kind of a gentleman's agreement that Infocom will do commercial and Cedia will do residential. Um, there's the Electronic House Expo, which we produce, that um, is more uh, intimate and completely focused on uh, residential integration. And new opportunities such as uh, digital home health, and you know there's uh, there's niches, and if if they don't if if they don't make it, you know they go away. Yeah, yeah absolutely. The the like you were saying, Julie, the the shows that aren't overly popular, they won't be there in you know, two or three years anyway. So so the the ones that the people like, like obviously Infocom and Cedia, those. those those have been around for a while. Those obviously will be around for a while longer. But some of the other more niche shows are you know, kind of hit, hit or miss, I would say, and, and probably depends a lot on you know, how much extra money people have to, to spend. Yeah. All right. Well, there goes my big super party idea. So. Uh. Well, I, 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 not to begrudge your super party idea. I mean. You know, I'm all, I'm all, I'm all there. Okay, is is EH House the, the the thing that you guys do, or or, or uh, Electronic House rather? Is, is EH Expo the the only show you guys do? All right, uh, uh, actually, yeah, uh, yes, Electronic House Expo, uh, which we produce in conjunction with Cedia, uh, is in um, in March in Florida, and it's a wonderful show, and like I said, intimate and uh, very much focused on home systems integration. Uh, we also do, uh, we have some other pro uh, categories, such as uh, the Worship Facilities Market. So we produce the Worship Facilities Expo. Um, we also have uh, uh, robotics ex expos. So, you know, we've got, we've got a few crazy things going on. But our, our flagship is, uh, uh, is our electronic house uh, line with the Electronic House Expo in March. Uh, again, produced with Cedia. Well, you mentioned something a few minutes ago about CE Pro Live. What is that? Oh, oh, shoot! I'm going to get in such big trouble. Uh, yeah, that is our <laughs> that is our virtual trade show, um, October 27th, and we have some seriously awesome. It's a really, really cool format. Um, there's a handful of you know, so-called exhibitors. That, um, but it, it's really one big chat fest that okay. goes on for about eight eight hours during the day, and some uh, first ever keynote addresses. We've got I'm doing one. Uh, we touch briefly on it about cloud based uh, home control and content and 
There's another uh, excellent keynote from uh, Jason Knott and my good friend Steve Moore in England, an integrator there, about uh, uh, new technologies and um you know, so there, there, there's some great keynote addresses, and then some excellent. It, it's just kind of an, a big online chat fest. So it's a lot of fun. So how do people get into it or get involved? Or are you gonna get in more trouble? Thank you for asking. CEProLive.com. CEProLive.com. Oh, CEProLive.com. Oh no, the the site is crashing. I doubt that. Yeah. Not yet. Um, no, it's it's fun. It's it's a very cool format. And that's October twenty second. You said October twenty seventh. Seventh, twenty seventh, twenty seventh. And then the um, keynote addresses. I'm just double checking the keynote addresses. Uh, yeah, October twenty seventh is the event, and the um, addresses will be downloadable after that. Oh, so, um, uh, yeah, it's fun. It's fun. Well, I'm, I'm actually, glad that, that, I would be there in my pajamas. <laughs> I actually think the kind of the, the online trade show is, is kind of you know becoming more popular and, and you know a more more interesting way to go. Although it's a little tough to see you know new equipment and that sort of thing in in, in that sort of format. So, well, I would say yeah. that it is because you can't put your hands on it and you can't see how it works, right. but. I've had, I've gotten myself in trouble by commenting about you know vaporware and you know so <laughs> I have my own issues with trade shows and and what goes on you know yeah you know what it's it's a, it's a place to it's it's a uh, the online chat show uh, the online trade shows I think are are um, it's a community it's a gathering and um, you know you have your emoticon and your uh, you, you chat with your peers and people that you've always chatted with online and um, you know certainly all our editors will be there as well as editors of um, other magazines and um, it's it's just it's just kind of a day a day of CE Pro celebration in our pajamas in our well I will be I can't I can't speak for Craig well if you're in your pajamas, I'll be in my pajamas, and we'll have. I'll be time. there. So, yep. Uh, speaking of Craig, he wrote two stories that we're doing this week, just because I have a I, I have a thing with with lead and step. Um, step, Craig, take us through this real quick. What is step, and uh, and then I'm going to hammer you with a bunch of questions. Boy, uh, step <laughs> is step is a new foundation that uh, Infocom, CompTIA, and a couple other organizations are. Uh, are uh, launching, unveiling um, it over the next few weeks, and it's it's essentially a way for uh, for folk, uh, for integrators to uh, get involved in sustainability and actually get credit for it, which is something that they've had a, a real difficult time doing through um, lead. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, through lead, uh, you're not even guaranteed to get an, an AV credit without um, you have to apply for it. Through something called the innovative credit, and it's it's not always a guarantee. So there was a lot of frustration among uh, integrators and, and folks from Infocom about uh, the idea of you know pushing people for uh, sustainability and you know encouraging them to do it. And so this foundation is uh, is kind of it's it's pretty much brand new and you know hasn't even officially been launched yet, but it is is starting to. Uh, Get some traction and, and working on some some pilot projects already. Well, it's something they've been talking about for a while, and, and it, it kind of yep. goes back to something that we talked about last week with with Don Mead. That is a, a lack of understanding and a lack of knowledge and awareness of the AV industry when it comes to let's say general contractors or the architect. Um, industry because you've got this lead thing and yes it's great and yes it's great for sustainability but what you just talked about and the 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 the, the quote-unquote points that we can get as an industry are almost the equivalent of the master (laughs) master plan um from from uh from the 90s where we had to live under the electrician's code and the electrician's uh, filing cabinet right and it's it's a maximum of one point through the innovative credit on on lead and uh, for for step 
I, I believe it's uh, 180 points is, is the maximum you can get. So, so obviously it's you know it, it's it's something that I, that I think uh, it, it's going to take a little bit of of salesmanship on on Infocom and CompTIA's part to you know get get people to understand what it's all about. But it sounds like they're uh, they're pretty confident that, that it'll work and and that'll it'll be much more attractive than than lead was for them. Um, I, I guess. The, the last straw was they went they went to the USGBC to try to get the green AV um, credit and have it be a formalized thing. We're told to come back in 2013 and that maybe they'd consider it then. So, so they yeah so, so yeah. they decided to, uh, to to do it on their own and uh, it's uh, you know it, it, I, I think it's a, a real interesting idea. You know, I've, I've talked to people from kind of all all angles of it and. and they're they're obviously pretty excited about it. Yeah, I, I, fortunately, I mean, the, the the best news for us is we we get no money from any of those certification organizations, so we can make all the fun of them that we want. Um, they're um, completely uh, ridiculous and politically motivated, and uh, I mean, we've reported in the past, for example, that um, a, a tree get you more lead points than, uh, you know, uh, a $100,000 lighting control system. I mean, it's, um, it's, it's, it's the silliest thing. And we even started a, uh, I'm sorry, are your sponsors lead? Who, me? Yeah. I'm my own sponsor. (laughs) So no, I'm not lead. I'll back off if you want. Um, no, it's 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 just the silliest, most politically motivated uh, uh, thing I've ever seen. Um, yeah, one. And, and we even started, you know, we we, we started a series of uh, of a of a home uh, a consumer that was building a home that was lead certified, and we were all asking, well, why? I mean, who who cares? I mean, <laughs> you know, build a home that will, you know, meet your uh, political uh, or environmental motives and your uh, uh, your your concerns about uh, energy savings. And who cares what the whose seal of approval it is? I mean, I've I've talked to so many bankrupt homeowners who built a lead home. <laughs> We're like, jeez. Right. That that was actually something that came up in, in one of the conversations is that lead is or yeah, lead is starting to generate a lot of lawsuits towards the USGBC because the home the homes and, and offices are not performing the way that they were supposed to and so, you know, the people want their money back basically. Well and it's I, just yeah, dim your dim your lights down to eighty percent and you'll save a lot of money. That you know, it's as simple as that. Well, and I, I'm not going to to sit here and say that it's not political because it, it very well could be. I'm not going to say that that lead or step is the end all to be all. My, I guess, love affair with control and this whole idea, it comes from the fact that you know what I, I I volunteer at my church. I have I deal with with educational institutions all day. If you put in a good solid control system with occupancy mm-hmm. sensors and some good logic. You can mm-hmm. you can first of all pay for that system and then start mm-hmm. making money regardless of if it's lead or step. Mm-hmm. Amen, brother. <laughs> There's my soapbox. So, right. And one of the other one of the other distinctions that, um, between lead and step that, that I thought was interesting is that uh, when you get lead certification, it's based on the, the building when it's built, and for step, they're looking kind of deep deeper into the future and kind of basing it on. Future performance of the system and that sort of thing. So yeah, but that's that's, that's kind of that's kind of sketchy and, and fuzzy math too. I mean, isn't it? I mean, because you're you're kind of projecting down the line what it should be. Yeah, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Of course, <laughs> of course, <laughs> of course it is. You know, I, I, do, I do, you know. give me credit for what it does. Give me credit for what it does. Today. Well, what do you need credit for? Well, if, build, if you want build, the if you want the pretty build, sticker, build a home that is uh, that saves you money and save your money yourself. But if who, you, who, if, who do you need credits for? If you want the pretty sticker right, that says lead. 
Harry in here. So. Oh goodness! All right, <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> Tag. I'm gonna get you in trouble again. So, <laughs> this comes Our from your own staff. Fifty percent of consumers shop online for electronics. Um, I appreciate that. I, I appreciate my my last performance. So. <laughs> No, it's not. You have a show coming up in a couple of weeks. I'll invite you again. <laughs> Whether you're, um, you've. Here's the thing. And somebody, both either both of you can correct me if I'm wrong on this. This is my perception. In the world of residential, and and the, this is kind of how I view things. A lot of what is put into a residential system is what could be what could be described as consumer electronics. DVD players, streaming services, stuff like that. Displays, you know, TVs. Um, not to say that a Crestron system or an X, or an AMX control system or a Savant control system is consumer electronics, but the stuff that it controls is. Is that fair to say? Mm-hmm. So that being the case, isn't it interesting that half of what these integrators are dealing with, these guys are shopping for online, and in a lot of cases, they're buying online. Or is this just kind of a commoditization of stuff and and we're going to have to make margins and, and money elsewhere? Uh, me? Yes, please. Okay. Um, uh, well, I mean, this is, you know, under under the headline of, you know, no surprises here. Uh, of, of course, people are buying uh, consumer electronics online. And... Um, the big debate in our community, in the um, uh, professional installation community, is should uh, uh, custom electronic uh, integrators actually SKs. sell eskies actually sell TVs, or um, a lot of them say go buy your freaking TV at Best Buy, whatever. You know they'll be liable for repairs and and delivery and all that, and then uh, we we tack on five hundred bucks um, to integrate it into our 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 system. And so, I mean, that's there. There's no answer there. Um, it, it's uh, if we're talking to the trade audience, um, the the question is, how do you uh, uh, work with that? And so how do you deal with that population of people like myself that buys big screen TVs online? So I spent um, maybe, um, you know, uh, tens of thousands of of dollars for a home systems integration uh, system, yet I bought a TV online. And uh, And how did that make you feel, Julie? Well, it, uh, I felt fine about it, but the uh, community did not feel so fine about it, and I still get crap to this day. Why, though? a TV online. Well, um, and maybe I'll well crap because now. I'm supposed to be the, you know, the, uh, whatever, the, the spokesperson for the industry, but... Um, you were supposed uh, to be the light in the darkness. Uh, right, but really what I wanted was a cheap TV... <laughs> And and no hassle. Yeah. And and I still do do get crap about that. But um, while I'll skimp on a big screen TV, I'm not going to skimp on professional insulation and integration and remote control uh, 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 programming and that kind of thing. And so it, it's it's a matter of our industry to to figure out who. And you know, I'm a high end client and. Uh, integrators need to to understand how to deal with people like me that will buy a TV online but won't skimp on integration and programming. Yeah. And, and that's that's what we as an industry need to do. Well, uh, Craig, the same thing for commercial, though. Uh, you guys, you, ha- you have guys who, whether it's the IT department that, that is con- over AV or you have a separate AV guy, that, that that's kind of what he does. He still has a bottom line. He has a budget every year. Not that Julie doesn't or, 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 or homeowners don't. But he has a budget every year. And he has X amount of dollars to get X amount of things done. So is it a huge deal or should it be a huge deal that these guys can get, you know, a dozen TVs from Best Buy or Amazon or wherever, wherever for the same price that, that you're selling it to them for one or two? 
Yeah, I, I can see where, where it's obviously a controversial thing because, I mean, if you have the best integrator in the world and he's putting in a crappy TV, then it's still going to be a crappy TV. So, I mean, if you if you buy you know a TV online and if it's if it's a cheap TV, I mean, the the best programming in the world isn't going to help it. Well, it's not, but does doesn't that kind of come back on the consumer? I mean, it, Julie's Julie is a high end client. She she is right. you know. So she understands because she is intelligent enough to have shopped online and intelligent enough to have purchased this thing online. She gets it. It's this is her baby. She bought this sucker, whether or right. not she had, and then then she paid somebody else to install it. Or, or are people kind of forgetful once the system's done and they just kind of see uh, commercial integrators as well? You put the whole system in, so the whole system's yours. Yeah, I I think people are pretty slow to blame themselves for almost anything these days so so if, if they can find fault with somebody else they're, they're going to and i'm sure you know these get these guys get calls all the time from from people that, that bought their tvs online and you know didn't didn't realize what the, the, the tvs they were getting were not necessarily all, all that great and you know then then they had an installer put them in and they're surprised that it, it doesn't work at, you know yeah. six months later or a year later so or even immediately when you exactly. plug it in. Exactly. Again, it, I mean, it's it's just how you structure your business, and uh, you need you need to be um, uh, aware of the new consumer versus you know if it's just uh, a person like myself or whether it's a big uh, industrial buyer that's buying tons and tons and tons of TVs, and you need to structure your business accordingly and um, structure it to make money off these installations and these sales, for example. Um, so I, I bought uh, a Mitsubishi DLP TV online uh, a few years ago, and it started to go dim six months ago. And, you know, I finally re- bought a replacement lamp. But these are the things that integrators can do. All right, so you bought this TV online. Um, I'm your guy. I'm checking in uh, a year later. Is your TV dim? Mm-hmm. Is it is it dimming? Okay, let's let me take a look at it. Um, oh, you know what? With a two hundred dollar Presto Changeo, I can make it all bright again, which it does. It's like blam, yeah. like that. And so it's just you, you have to, um, you know, you have to adjust to the new business model, and you have to make money, and you have to be a customer service person, like any business. Well, you do. You ha- you have to reinvent not reinvent yourself, but but adjust and and kind of you know be very flexible because we've been talking about this ad nauseum for years. You know the the industry is changing, and so we have to change along with it. Or you go out of business. I mean, those are kind of the two the two options you're left with. So. All right, last story. This is kind of my 1984 moment. Um, it's called the Urban OS. And this is it in a nutshell. It is an operating system for your town, meaning that this sucker controls and gets sensors from all over the place, including businesses and, you know, ostensibly even, you know, people's homes to where if there's a fire in a building three stories up, it will turn all of the stoplights green between the fire station and the building. It will suck all the air out of the room. It will pull everybody out of the building it will even shut off the the water supply to all of the homes and businesses surrounding the, the the place that's on fire so the fire department has enough water julie is this a good idea or is this just kind of big brother sneaking in the back door no of course it's a great idea um the whole thing really? about uh, of course um the whole thing about uh, too much oversight is silly. I mean, it's it's just a matter of how it's being used. I mean, it has to be used um, uh, correctly and responsibly. And how is it not a bad thing that um, this technology can save a community money and enhance security and safety and convenience and energy savings? I mean, um, I you know. It, it it's just has to be deployed responsibly. That's all. Is it still a good idea if it's in people's houses? 
Well, of course, I, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, so my husband's out of town right now and I, we have interior um, security cameras and I always turn them over <laughs> when he's away. You do what now? I, I, I turn them over when he's away. So he I don't want to. on you? Is that the deal? <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't even, I don't think he's ever looked at them in two years, but it just gives me the heebie-jeebies. You so yeah, party, I turn, I I turn the computer, I turn the um, camera over. But um, no, how can it not be a bad, the capability, how can the capability uh, be a bad thing? It, it's a good thing if it's, if it's deployed responsibly. Um, and, and obviously there's a lot of, uh, you know, parameters on that. But um, no, technology is a good thing. And um, when we when we stretch our um, our capabilities and our opportunities, that's it's it's a good thing. Yeah. I right. actually agree with I agree with, with her completely on this. Uh, I mean, it's kind of a matter of time before before we see it. I think. I think you know, obviously, it's it's overseas right now, but I, I think it I, I think if it works well uh, in in England, in England and Britain, I think it's 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 coming here. So we're all going to be living under the watchful eye of Big Brother. Yay! <laughs> well, not me, probably, <laughs> not me. I probably just, already are. Yeah, not you, because you're going to turn security cameras around. <laughs> I do. I, I just turned it, turned it oh around my. yesterday. <laughs> all right, that's all I've got. You guys have anything else? No, I uh, sure appreciate the opportunity. Tell uh, Julie real quick. Talk talk to us again about CE Pro Live. Uh, when is it, and how people can get involved? Um, thank you um, for that opportunity. CE Pro Live is October twenty seventh. Uh, free registration. Um, CE Pro Live dot com. Um, there's you know a handful of exhibitors. You know virtual exhibitors, but um, also just basically eight hours of chat. And keynote addresses um, on uh, uh, home systems integration. The, the the two big keynotes are uh, one that I'm doing on cloud-based services and control, and also new home technologies uh, with uh, Jason Knott and Steve Moore from England, and it uh, it's co-produced by Cedia. So, how does the virtual thing work? The 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 virtual it, um, booth yeah, basically. Ju- you just go. You just go. You see, it's like, it's cool. I mean, seriously, it's like really cool. Just go to ceprolive.com, register. And, and it, I mean, I don't know how to explain it. It's just, it's cool. Well, the chat just, I get and listening to you talk I get, but it's the whole virtual booth tour. Yeah, well, you'll see. You'll okay. see. And I'll be there. I'll All be right. there. If you'll be there in your pajamas, I'll be in there. In my pajamas. Hot dog. Uh, that, by the way, is Julie Jacobson. She is the co-founder of VH Publishing as well as an editor of CE Pro. Mr. Craig McCormack uh, not only is a disgruntled Boston Red Sox uh, fan, but he's also a senior writer with the Commercial Integrator magazine. Thank you both for joining us. My name is Tom Albright. Check out avnation.tv uh, for more stuff and information. We appreciate li- you listening, and we appreciate the feedback. That's all the time we have for AV Week. <laughs>